The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. And normally I fly Air Canada direct from Toronto. Obviously, there's no direct flights right now, and only allows flying. So I get to my seat, and I'm in a middle seat. I would never fly middle seat to Eric's Israel. Either, you know, if I, either it's going to be a window or it's going to be the aisle. Definitely not going to sit in the middle for 12 hours. So I get in my seat, and Baruch Hashem, the two sides next to me are empty. So I was like, okay, good. At least I'll have like some, uh, you know, some space. And then, of course, people are still walking on the plane. So I'm watching this guy come down. He's a big guy, you know, coming down the aisle. And I'm like, please, don't stop here. Don't stop here. Don't stop here. Don't stop here. And then he stops and he looks, you know, looks, checks to make sure. He goes, yeah. And he comes right in and he's sitting to the right next to the window. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. All right, look, I still have, I have space. I can lean to the left, right? And I'm watching people come down the aisle. And then I see another really big guy come down the aisle. I'm like, please, no, please. I felt it was the Wheel of Fortune. Like, tick, 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 tick. Like, who is it going to stop on? And right there, stopped on my seat. And he stops and he looks. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I've got these two really big guys on both my sides. But I'm like, okay, at least I have the armrests, right? Because that's like flight etiquette, the person in the middle. They were Israeli. There's no flight etiquette. You know what I mean? Like, I was, I was like this. I was like this on the flight. Like, it was just... So, okay, it didn't start off so great from, you know, from my comfort perspective. But, you know, it's Eretz Yisrael in times of, you know, whatever. Not about comfort. We can't focus on our comfort. And the guy next to me, I did, I did notice. He was a big guy. And of course, like I said, like I was a little bit, you know, big guy and uh, early 20s, 24 years old. And I was thinking to myself, he's talking to someone else how he was on, he's come back from vacation. You know, I'm like, first of all, you just squished me in my seat. But second of all, young Israeli guy, shouldn't you be like doing something for the country, fighting, doing something, vacation? Like what kind of business is this? You know, I didn't say anything, of course. We start schmoozing. He asks me what we're doing. I said, we have a group of 60 people from L.A., New York, Denver, Detroit. We have, uh, I think there were 16 people from Toronto itself that came on the mission. I told him all backgrounds. And by the way, that was another thing that was really, really, really unique. Normally, I go on a trip, and it's very homogeneous. In other words, for example, you have like a women's chizik mission, right? So you have, you have a whole bunch of women, all FFBs, all in a similar age range, similar stage of life, etc. Right? You're running a, a, a men's uh, momentum Israel trip, right? So you have guys all, you know, age, let's say 40 to 60, all same stage of life. None of them, you can't be Shomer Shabbos to be on the trip, right? Very homogeneous. You're running a young professional trip, same thing. What was so unique about this and for the first time ever, and I normally wouldn't take someone who's not in the demographic. Why? Just because I want everyone to feel comfortable. And people shouldn't feel uncomfortable, not in the same, you know, should, so, someone shouldn't feel out of place. The first time ever we did a trip where there was no, there was basically no like vetting. Who's appropriate, not appropriate, who's coming, who's not. There was no vetting. It was just this feeling of like, here's the link. You want to be an artist to now? Click it and pay and join. That's it. And so you had on the trip, this is the first time ever, and I'm like, this has to be the weirdest group ever. It was like Sesame Street. I mean, it was like, it was a mix of like, you had like from like age, don't quote me on that, but age, age 30 to age, you know, you had like age 30s to age 70s. Uh, you had men, you had women, you had from, you had not from, Bali Chuva, FFB, it was, it, was a, it was a whole mix of people. And it was just beautiful. Like it just worked. Because this feeling in Eretz Yisrael, and this feeling of Kali Yisrael, of like there's just no borders, there's no you, there's no me, there's just we, there's no like, there's no, there was like no, just no differences. It's very hard to describe and, and capture that feeling, but that was the feeling on the mission. It was really, really unique. Anyway, back to this guy, so I'm sitting next to him on the plane. So he's telling me, he was, you know, so I tell him about our, our mission. He was very, very moved. Wow, like, I don't understand. Like, he's, he's saying to me, he's, he has 60 people from Chutzlar who are coming for what? Like, I don't understand where you're coming for. Like, you have to understand, 
the fl- besides these LL flights, which the two LL flights were full, there's no one else flying. Uh, no one else flying. Ben Gurion Airport on our return was a ghost town. Like you walk in, you're like, whoa, it's eerie in here. How empty Ben Gurion was. Okay. So this guy's like, what are you guys doing here? I said, we're coming from all different parts of the U.S. and Canada just to uh, give you a hug, tell you we love you, we're thinking about you, we care about you. And that was a theme every single day, wherever we went. We said the same thing to everybody. You know, I know you guys hear a lot of bad things uh, coming out of you know, the news and coming out of uh, you know, social media, etc., I know, you, I know Israel has a really bad rap. I know that the army and everything, I, everyone's, you know, a lot of anti-Semitism. I said, I want you to know there's a lot of love. There's a lot of people in Chutzarts who really care about you. And we're coming to represent those people. And like, it meant so much. When we asked a lot of times, what can we do to support you? They said, like, what you're, this, this is the greatest support. Like, the, the empathy, the, I forget the word, one of the soldiers said, like, like the look in your eyes and the, the feeling in your hearts that you're giving us is the greatest support you can give us. It was very, very special. Okay, so I told this guy next to us why we're on this mission. He was blown away by it. He was like, wow, he couldn't believe that. And then I'm like, so tell me your story, Mr. Vacationer, right? Like, come back from vacation. I'm, I'm going to tell on you that you're not, you know, not in the army. Anyway, he says he lives down near where the kibbutzim are. And October 7th, he was one of the first people in. And his, him with his unit, his unit joined him, and he was fighting from the beginning. Um, he saw everything, he was exposed to everything, uh, nothing filtered, nothing removed, everything right there. And he said for a whole week, that's, that was his experience. And at the end of the week, he told me, he said, I felt like I was going to go crazy. He said, I felt like I was, I was losing my mind. He said, I asked my commander, imagine he's a 24-year-old kid. And I was 24 years, I thought I was like very, like, in retrospect, you know, now that I'm older, you're a young kid. You know? But I really felt like, I'm like, I'm like this, he's a kid, he's a big kid. And, for, 20, and for, for, uh, for a full week, he was exposed to everything. He said, I was, I was going to go crazy. He asked his commander, I need time off. Commander said, go take a vacation. He left Eretz Yisrael to, to clear his head and to process what he kind of went through. He said, and now I'm coming home. I said, wow, that's, you know, for, thank you, obviously, for everything you did. And thank you for, I mean, these guys like Mama saved people's lives. I said, thank you so much. I said, so what, now that you're coming home, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to join my unit. I'm like, you're going back? He said, yeah. I said, I thought you're like traumatized. You're... He said, I am. But if every single soldier said, I'm traumatized, we would have nobody to fight. We haven't even landed in Eretz Yisrael. I'm ready to like turn around and go home and be like Dayenu. That was just to meet such a person and to hear this, you know, how, you know, how traumatic his experience was. And yet he's coming back to rejoin, to go back down into what he just left. I, I couldn't believe it. Anyway, we exchange information. And uh, about an hour later, I get a text message. Two hours later, I get a text message from him uh, saying, uh, he says, Rabbi, you know, if you want, you're, you, you're welcome to join us for Shabbat in, in the kibbutz where we live. So I said, uh, I said, thank you. you know, he, tells us, he tells me about his kashras, whatever. I said, thank you so much. I said, you know, we're a group of 60 people. He says, that's okay. My, I spoke to my mother. She said, well, we'll work it out. <laughs> like, I met a stranger. By the way, like, we're very different. 
you know, I, I, I'm, you know, Ashkenazi American rabbi. He is Sephardi. I think he was Sephardi, Israeli. You know, different stage of life. He wasn't wearing a kippah. Like, you know, different religious. I and mean, he's very like Israeli, very, you know, Israeli, and also connected, like traditional. You know, maybe maybe we would call it very traditional, but a real like heart of a of a yid. And he's like inviting me and sixty people for that Shabbos. We landed on Tuesday, right? But I'll tell you my my takeaway. Um, starting from the beginning with this guy on the airplane with me, Gil, right? He tells me after experiencing everything he experienced, he's now going back in to Gaza again. I think to myself, was this guy not afraid? He just saw the worst of the worst. He was afraid. We look at these people, we go, this person, these people are heroes. There's a big danger in just by saying somebody's a hero. Because what we're doing is we're saying they're different than me. I'm regular. I don't do heroic things. They're heroic. That's why they do those things. I do regular stuff that regular people do. And it excuses us from the responsibilities and the opportunities that we, we really have in our own lives. So there's a danger in saying, oh, they're a hero. But what I would say is, it depends how you define heroism. Because if you define it as someone who's scared to do something, but does it anyway because they know it's right, if that's the definition of a hero, then that's okay. Because that's something that we can apply to our lives. And you hear, you hear you have this 24-year-old kid who saw the worst. I'm sure he was scared to go back with his unit again. He did it anyway. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.